your feet in their shoes. You want to understand that. And I asked her, I said, let's go. What's the first thing you do? And, and very sarcastically, perhaps in a very jokingly way, she says, I wake up. I was like, that's very good. We're off to a great start. I say, oh, boy, she's going to drag me through the, through the fire on this one. I asked the question. Now I have to be ready for the answers. I opened the door for a deeper conversation, and she knew I was utilizing some of this for the message, so perhaps she took it easier on me. But she said, here are the couple of things. I'm not going to give you it all because it took us about 15 minutes, and I'm not going to eat all that up. If I get to the end and, and I feel like I'm, no, I'm just kidding. One of the things she says, I wake up, I feed the baby, I get ready myself, I make the bed, I make breakfast, I change the baby. Uh, the girls have to do the bathroom routine, their cleanup in their room, serve breakfast, begin, no, yeah, serve breakfast, make my coffee, eat breakfast, feed the baby again. I'm running out of breath just reading this stuff. Morning devotional with the girls, finish breakfast, get ready, get the girls ready from their PJs. They get a moment of free, pray, uh, free play. I have self-prayer and Bible study, feed the baby, place baby to nap again, homeschool lessons for the girls, math, writing, story time, home chores. Consistently, uh, they can consist of approximately three to four chores depending on the day, but for Mondays, it's bedsheets day. Start to make lunch, tend to the baby up from the nap, Feed the baby again, change the baby, serve lunch to the girls, free play 2.0. I guess it's a, a, another round of free play for the girls. I think the people that have it the best here are the girls. <laughs> reading all of this. Tidy up, quiet time, 45 minutes of reading for the girls. Baby nap, continue chores. The list just goes on and on. And we, we've only entered lunch. And I'm, I'm being, I'm not giving the expanded version, she walked me through each of the things of what went on. And I was like, no, just summarize it a little bit. But in that moment, again, I, I was immediately like, man, how much work? My respect to my wife, my respect to the mothers, the appreciation there is for all that hard work, I, I was like, oh, that's a lot of stuff. And then I was like, but again, that's, that's my interpretation of what she does. I was the one that asked the question. She provided some answers. And now we are beginning to have a dialogue and a conversation, right? So we are entering the actively listening portion of it. Another thing that actively listening does is when you actively listen, you're focused, it's voluntary. I mean, you chose to be in that conversation. She didn't grab me while I was mowing the lawn and says, hey, I want to talk to you about what I do on Mondays. It wasn't, it was my choice. And it was her choice to enter that conversation. It's intentional. There's a purpose behind that conversation. That's actively listening. Hearing is accidental, it's involuntary, and it's effortless. That one hurt me a little bit. Because most of the times we talk about, and I'm just being a little vulnerable here, if that's okay with you. Sometimes we want to have a conversation with somebody, but if at the end of that conversation, and I'm talking about deep, meaningful conversations, you feel like it was an easy conversation, maybe, just maybe, you didn't put that effort that needed to go through. If it felt easy, you might have missed something. And 
I could be wrong. I'm just speaking on experience. Because usually the conversations that we fall, where we both feel like we've invested something, where we felt intentional about something, at the end of it, we almost look at each other and be like, that was good. We learned something about each other. We learned something about what we were discussing. It doesn't have to be bad about you know, arguments. It doesn't have to be always good. But I guess what I'm trying to paint a picture here is that oftentimes we think we are actively listening to God, but we are just hearing his voice, and that's all we're doing. And, and the fact that you're hearing his voice is a good thing. Don't miscredit or misjudge what I'm trying to tell you. But there is a step further in the relationship with God. There is a position further than just hearing his voice. If you're not hearing his voice, we'll talk a little bit about that too, that's a problem. But if you're hearing his voice because it's involuntary from your position, meaning somebody approached you and says, hey, God led me to tell you. Or during a preaching, you heard the message, but you're not being reactive to the message. You are not being proactive to the word that you received. You are just hearing the message. You're just hearing the word. It's effortless on your part and on my part. It's great to receive a good lesson. But when it becomes an actively listening to God's voice in this world, it requires work from you and it requires work from me. Can you agree to that? So perhaps when we hear this, and the reason I opened with this is it's almost a contrast. Here, God is telling us to be still because I am God. And I'll, I'll, I'll circle back at the end as to why. But let's go to James 1.19. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I mentioned to you earlier, sometimes in our conversations with one another, if earlier in the, in the exercise that we did, if you both shouted at the same time, could you really know how the other person was doing? Just by a show of hands, and I know this wasn't the instruction, but I'm just curious. Did somebody ask a follow-up question? Follow-up statement, follow-up question? Okay. You, you began to step into the world in the realm of actively listening. You now were interested in that individual. You began to understand, even if you didn't hear it, maybe you wanted clarity. Maybe you wanted to know what was going on. In First Samuel, we hear... We see the story, the call of Samuel, right? I'm going to read it to you. We don't have to put it up there. I'm going to read it to you. If you want to follow along, 1 Samuel 3. And the child of Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Isn't it precious today as well? Amen. There was no open vision, and it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here I am, for thou callest me. So Samuel goes to sleep. I'm sorry, Eli goes to sleep. And Samuel goes to Eli and says, Hey, I'm, I'm here. You called me. And we know this story. Samuel tells Eli, I didn't call you. I've been asleep. And Eli uh, and the Lord called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli. Samuel heard God's voice, but he did not know who was speaking to him. How many of us perhaps have been in a position where we may have heard God's voice 
And we didn't know it was God speaking to us. We may have heard him through a preaching. We may have heard him through somebody's acts, but we didn't know it was God speaking to us. And it's okay because God is merciful and he'll speak to us again. Where you will fall into trouble is when you stop hearing God's voice. It's okay. Continue to hear his voice, but maybe God is just maybe telling you, I need you now to engage with me. It's not just a one-way street. I'm not just going to deposit everything you need to do. I need you to engage with me. And the Lord called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call us me. And he answered, I called not my son. Lie down again. Samuel probably be bothered for being woken up. Man, just go to bed. I'm not, ta- I'm not calling you. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to 